0: Our final session this afternoon is a very important session. We have just heard a presentation on uh, the issue of inerrancy as it relates to Muslim evangelism. The majority of the world's population uh, certainly is Muslim, but a large segment of the world's population still abides by Catholic belief. And our speaker today, Mike Gendron, Uh, is the founder of Proclaiming the Gospel Ministries, who himself was saved out of Roman Catholicism and has been used of God uh, to effectively equip the church for evangelizing Catholics, but know that it comes from a a personal experience and a personal empathy and and a particular love for those who have been enslaved to this false religion. And so we are greatly benefited and I think we will be equipped Uh, to faithfully uh, accomplish the the Lord's work uh, in our ministry by giving close attention to Mike as he comes today. Please welcome Mike Gendron. Thank you, brother.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for the invitation to come and be a part of this important conference. Um, TMAI is near and dear to my heart, and I speak from personal experience. Having Spent some time in five of the different locations throughout the world, Croatia and Spain and Honduras, down in Italy, and even in Myanmar. And Myanmar was really a a very special privilege for me and the providence of God. I was a 13-year-old boy when I first went to Myanmar. My dad was an army colonel, and he went to serve next to his brother, who was a Roman Catholic priest in the country of Burma at that time. And so my uncle spent 30 years converting the Burmese to Roman Catholicism. So 50 years after I was there as a 13-year-old boy, through TMAI, I was able to go back and train and teach 82 students at the seminary there, the academy there. And um, during that time, I was able to go out and minister to a couple of Roman Catholic priests that were in the country, and both of them were the Fruit of my uncle's ministry as a Roman Catholic priest. And when I shared with them, I was Father Gendron's nephew. They got real excited to see me until they asked, What are you doing in Burma? <laughs> and when I shared with them, I'm here to tell you the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He is sufficient to save sinners completely and forever. Well, it was really interesting the conversations that I had with both of them. But um, The message that I have for you this morning, this afternoon, is establishing Scripture as supreme authority in Roman Catholic evangelism. Now, this message is of utmost importance to me because at the age of 34, as a very devout Roman Catholic, I was invited to an evangelical seminar in Dallas, and during that three-day seminar, the speaker without any doubt, establish the Bible as the supreme authority in all matters of faith and practice. And so at the age of 34, I went home and I began reading the Bible for the very first time. You see, as a Roman Catholic, we were told not to even try to read the Bible. It's too difficult. Just listen to the priest and they will interpret it for you. And so the message establishing scripture as the supreme authority is something we need to do. In fact, as you're witnessing to Roman Catholics, that would be priority, but secondarily and equally important would be to establish the Lord Jesus Christ as the all-sufficient Savior. And so my prayer this evening for all of you is that you will leave here with not a greater, not only a greater understanding of how Roman Catholics view the Bible, but also a greater desire to earnestly contend for the faith— that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Because we're living in a time when the exclusivity of the gospel is really under attack. We have the unity accords being signed by leading evangelicals. The average person in the pew today, the evangelical church, doesn't know if the Roman Catholic religion represents a huge mission field or if they are brothers and sisters in Christ and we need to go out and evangelize the world together. So, I hope you understand that the gospel must remain exclusive. And Roman Catholics are victims of the worst kinds of deception. So, to begin with, I'd like to ask the question then what is the most trustworthy source for truth? You know, we can be wrong about a lot of things in this life and still survive. But if we are wrong about what authority we're trusting for our eternal destiny, we will pay for that mistake forever and ever. The Roman Catholic religion represents over 1.2 billion souls, precious souls who are victims of the worst kind of deception. They have been told that they belong to the one true church. They are told that their church will get them to heaven. We need to rescue them And the way that we do that is to establish the Word of God as the most supreme authority in all matters of faith. So oftentimes, as I'm witnessing to Roman Catholics, I will ask them, what is your most trustworthy authority? Is it your popes, your bishops, or your councils, or is it your religious traditions, or is it church history or the early church fathers? Are you aware that evangelicals are leave, leaving their churches today to apostasy into Roman Catholicism over the issue of church history or the early church fathers? We need to ask them is it human reasoning or personal experience? Is that your authority for truth? Or do you go to Google as an authority for truth? Many people are going there today, but there is only one authority that will never deceive you will never mislead you, and that is the infallible Word of God, the sacred scriptures. And I hope you all realize that every religion has an authority. It may be a person, it may be a book, or it may be religious traditions. But ultimately, we must point people to the authority of God's Word. Have you considered the eternal testimony of the Bible Listen to what the Bible has to say about itself. It is holy and pure and perfect. It is true and errant and infallible. It is living and eternal. It is forever settled in heaven, and it is the seed that brings forth life. The Bible illuminates. It cleanses. It saves. It frees and guides us. It converts. It heals It judges, and it sanctifies. It also brings conviction. It gives knowledge. It gives wisdom. It produces faith. It refutes error. It searches the heart, equips for every good work, and a sword to slay the devil's lies. What a testimony the Bible has to say about itself. And when you consider some of the other authorities that Roman Catholics submit to, none of them would match the matchless word of God. It was the scriptures that the Lord Jesus used as his authority to rebuke the devil in Matthew chapter 4. His word is exalted above all things. He has even made it equal to his holy name. Do you know what the Vatican's position on inerrancy is? I want to share with you from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 107. We must acknowledge that the books of Scripture, faithfully and without error, teach the truth which God, for the sake of our salvation, wished to see confined to sacred Scriptures. Now, this might surprise some of you that the Roman Catholic Church views the Bible as inerrant. But we must ask, considering what the popes have said down through the century, they've used words such as absolute truth, and immunity from error to safeguard the integrity of the Bible. But the question then that we must ask is, what good does it do to declare the Bible is without error, while at the same time declaring that Catholics have no right for self-interpretation, but are forced to believe the interpretation of their bishops? So the question then is, what good is an inerrant Bible if you have errant bishops telling you you must believe how I interpret it for you. And those are called the magisterium of the church or the bishops, and I'm quoting again from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 85, where we read the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the word of God, whether in its written form or tradition has been entrusted to the teaching office of the church alone. So please don't miss, this is a cultic characteristic of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not suggesting that it's a cult because it upholds the Trinity, but this is a cultic characteristic where they are forced to believe the interpretation of the bishops of their church. They're bishops who cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually appraised, and they're but natural men. They've never been born of the Spirit of God. How are they to interpret the Word of God when they don't understand the things of God. Catholics are forced to rely on these errant bishops to understand the inerrant word of God. So what is our response to this as we are wish, uh, witnessing to Roman Catholics? Well, we find the answer in 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, the Holy Spirit is the only teacher we need. When I left the conference at the age of 34 and went home and began reading the Bible for the first time, it was the Spirit of God applying the Word of God to my heart. It was the Spirit of God illuminating the Word to my heart. I had no one discipling me. I had no one mentoring me. It was the Word of God and the Spirit of God that brought forth life, and I have never been the same since. But shortly after the Lord saved me, I had this great compassion to reach back into the Roman Catholic religion because there are so many that are victims of the most cruel kind of deception. When you look at Roman Catholic authority, paragraph 95 of the Catechism teaches that sacred sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and the magisterium of the church are so connected that one of them cannot stand without the others they all contribute effectively to the salvation of souls not according to god's word you and i knows what contributes to the salvation of souls in 1 peter chapter 1 verse 23 you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It is the word of God and the spirit of God that brings forth life. The magisterium of the church and religious tradition do not contribute anything to the salvation of souls. You and I must sow this imperishable seed of God's word and pray that the seed will find fertile soil. And that's what we must do in this huge mission field representing 1.2 billion souls. Well, knowing that it's the spirit of God and the word of God that brings forth life, when I was on a mission trip down into Mexico, we went into a cathedral and I saw an open Bible on a kneeler in, in front of a statue of the Virgin Mary. So I went and knelt down on the kneeler, and I turned to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and I pulled out my highlighter, and I highlighted those two (laughs) verses. Those two verses have set so many Roman Catholics free. We see the Apostle Paul teaching antithetically there, showing that it's by God's grace and not of works. Well, when you look at the Roman Catholic hierarchy of authority, up until the Council of Trent in the 16th century, Scripture was their authority. But the Scripture was starting to set many people free. The truth of God's Word will do that. And so you had the tradition of the Catholic Church that was then elevated to be on the same level as sacred Scripture. And if that weren't enough, now you need the magisterium of the Church. To sit above tradition and scripture so that they can twist and distort the scripture such that it conforms to their religious tradition. Now, in Roman Catholic theology, these three authorities are said to be equal, but in actual practice, it is the bishops that rule. So, by making its religious traditions equal in authority at the Council of Trent, the Catholic Church became an apostate church. The attack on the supreme authority of Scripture was Rome's official and dogmatic departure from the faith of the apostles. Over 100 anathemas were issued at the Council of Trent, condemning you and I because we believe in the supreme authority of Scripture and the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, Roman Catholic bishops continue to twist and distort Scripture to affirm their ungodly traditions. They would do well to heed the words of the Apostle Paul who said, We do not distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And as you look at Roman Catholic theology and the evolution of their religious traditions down through 1600 years, we see that virtually every doctrinal error that has surfaced in the Catholic Church has been a result of undermining the authority, the reliability, and the sufficiency of Scripture. And I think one of the most blasphemous traditions of the Roman Catholic Church is that they dare to say Almighty God has been reduced to flour and water. Through the miracle of transubstantiation, every priest believes he has the power to call the Lord Jesus Christ down from heaven to continue to do what he cried out in victory, it is finished. The miracle of transubstantiation, lying signs and wonders that is deceiving the world. We must know how to defend the glory and honor of our great God and Savior against this blasphemous idolatry within the Roman Catholic religion. Now, I'm talking to all of you as brothers in Christ. Clearly, as I am communicating the truth of scriptures to Roman Catholics, I would approach them in a different way. I would lovingly speak the truth to them, showing their errors by asking them questions. So Rome defines, or den, Rome denies the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture by declaring its tradition is also the Word of God. Please don't miss this. Roman Catholic religious traditions that have evolved over 1,600 years are said to be the Word of God. So when you talk to Roman Catholics, it's not only the Scriptures that they view as the Word of God, but also their religious traditions. Declaring infallible men are equal in authority to Scripture. They also deny the authority and sufficiency of Scripture by declaring its bishops are the only authentic interpreters of Scripture, and this comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 100. So of what value is an inerrant Bible if it is commingled with the error of religious tradition? But this is Roman Catholic theology, We know that Scripture has authority over religious tradition. We can point to Mark chapter 7 as we witness to Roman Catholics. Here you have Jesus rebuking the religious leaders of his day. He said, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God. You hold to the traditions of men, You are the experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition, thus invalidating the Word of God. And that's what Roman Catholic tradition has done. They have invalidated the Word of God. Catholics need to learn from the sound rebuke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Roman Catholic religion has rejected the five solas of the Reformation, but they have a sola of their own, sola ecclesia for truth, and that is simply the Catholic Church to whom the transmission and interpretation of Revelation is entrusted, does not derive her certainty about all revealed truths from the Holy Scriptures alone, both Scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. Paragraph 82 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. A Roman Catholic Church believes it's the one true church, and it believes that it is the pillar and support of the truth. They will often point to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, as credibility for their church, upholding the truth. But Roman Catholicism has exchanged the truth of God for a lie Similar to what we see in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Witnesses for Christ must call Catholics to submit to Scripture as the supreme authority for faith. Those who submit to any other authority will end up with another Jesus, which always leads to another gospel. Are you aware of that? You see, the Scriptures proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his sufficiency. Therefore, salvation is offered as a gift of God's grace. But in, as you proclaim Christ, as the Roman Catholics do, as an insufficient Savior, then you need another gospel to instruct Roman Catholics what they must do in order to help what Christ accomplished. Another Jesus always leads to another gospel, And as you look at those words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 11.4, he says, and you bear this beautifully, when some people come and teach another Jesus and another gospel, rather than contending against it, you put up with it. I hope we leave here with an earnest desire to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. We cannot have unity with this apostate religion. The ongoing strategy of Satan since the Garden of Eden has been to undermine complete trust in God's Word, and he does this by undermining people's confidence in the objective, authoritative truth of the sacred scriptures. Not too long ago, I was invited up to a church in Emporia, Kansas, and oftentimes, whenever I travel, I always try and set up an appointment with a Roman Catholic priest in the area Well, the priest in Empori was too busy to see me, and so after training the church to be effective witnesses to Roman Catholics in the area, we went out to the Catholic church to witness to Roman Catholics before the service. And as I went into the church, I saw the light on the confessional on, signifying that the priest was in there listening to people's confessions. So I told the elder of the church and my wife to pray for me. I was going to go in and talk to the priest. So I walked into the confessional, and if any of you grew up Catholic, there used to be a screen there, but now he's sitting there waiting for me. And I sat down, and I said, I don't even know where to begin. It's been over 20 years since I've ever been to confession. (laughs) I said, I couldn't possibly remember all of my sins, let alone the sins of omission. And the priest said, don't you worry. When you leave here, I will forgive you. And then he asked a very interesting question. He said, why has it been 20 years since you've been to confession? I said, well, I, I started reading the Bible. <laughs> he said, yes. And I said, and I found out that there are some major contradictions between what the Bible teaches and what I was taught as a Roman Catholic. He said, give me an example. I said, well, in 1 John 1:7." It says, the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all sin. So why would we need purgatory? Purgatory is a place where Catholics go to have their sins purged away and cleansed. So the priest said, give me another example. (laughs) I said, well, the Bible says um, the last words of Christ before he gave up his spirit was, it is finished. He cried out in victory. So why do you continue to do what Jesus said is finished on an altar when he finished the work of redemption on the cross? He said, you know what your problem is? You take the word of God too seriously. (laughs) And I thought, wow, what a backhanded compliment that is. But then he said, you know, this is going to take more time than I first thought. Why don't you give me a call next week? and we can continue our discussion. But when I called him the next week, by then he knew why we were at the church, and he said, I want to just tell you one thing. I was born a Catholic, and I'm going to die a Catholic. Nothing you can say will ever change my mind. My heart goes out to those victims of indoctrination. Only the Word of God can pierce a stubborn heart. But Roman Catholics have what's called apostolic succession, Catholic bishops by divine institution have taken the place of the apostles. Whoever listens to them is listening to Christ, and whoever despises them despises Christ. And so when we look at apostolic succession, what is our response to those who believe it? We need to tell them that its bishops do not meet the qualifications given for a successor of the apostles in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. We must tell Roman Catholics there have only been two successors of the apostles. The 11 apostles chose a successor to Judas after he committed suicide. His name was Matthias, and God chose the apostle Paul. Those have been the only two successors of the apostles. So how binding is Roman Catholic authority? It may as well be written in stone because at the Council of Trent, This is what the bishops declared. To check unbridled spirits, no one relying on its own judgment shall presume to interpret the scriptures. Here you can see Roman Catholics are forced to believe whatever the bishops interpret the scriptures to say. The Roman Catholic bishops had to do this at the Council of Trent because I think they must have read John chapter 8 verses 31 to 32 that anyone who abides in God's word, they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. And so many of the reformers were being set free by abiding in God's word. They were set free from religious deception. It was the same council, by the way, that put the Bible on the list of forbidden books because they did not want people reading the truth and being set free from religious tradition. So we ask the question then, is infallibility part of the Bible? Do we have infallible men's in the first century church? No, it is an ungodly tradition. But the Catechism of the Catholic Church states this in paragraph 889, in order to preserve the church and the purity of the faith handed on by the apostles, Christ conferred on her a share in his own infallibility. There are no infallible men. The only infallible source for truth that we have today is the infallible Word of God. In fact, the infallible Word of God was given to us to test the teachings of every man and to correct and rebuke when necessary. And therefore, we must correct this fatal error that popes are infallible. Roman Catholics believe this Pope Francis, by the way, I think, has really caused quite a stir within the Vatican because the Vatican has had to correct him several times because of what he has said. You may have heard that he said recently that atheists can follow their conscience into heaven. Well, this isn't historic Roman Catholic theology, and so the Vatican had to correct him. The Vatican had to correct an infallible pope. Well, we know that Peter was not infallible. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, Paul opposed Peter to his face. Why? Because he stood condemned and the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Paul then publicly rebuked Peter for not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. We need to ask Catholics, which of these popes, was infallible? The Pope who condemned Joan of Arc as a heretic and burned her at the stake in 1431? Or was it the Pope who revoked her condemnation 24 years later? Or was it the Pope who who exalted her to sainthood in 1920? Or if you're still confused about which of these three Popes was infallible, what about John the 22nd, who condemned papal infallibility as a work of the devil. Was this an infallible pronouncement by a pope? You see, whenever you create your own religion, you run into all kinds of errors and unexplainable doctrine. One of our main objectives, I think, as we witness to Roman Catholics is to get them into the Word of God, And so one of the questions I love to ask them, since they believe that their church was the one true church founded by Christ, I tell them that the book of Acts was a history of the first century church. So surely if your church was there in the first century, we'd be able to read the book of Acts and we'd be able to find priests offering sacrifices for sins. Or maybe we'd find indulgences being remitted for the punishment of sin, Do you ever find in the book of Acts people praying for souls in purgatory? Or do you find church leaders forbidden to marry? Quite the contrary. The Apostle Paul said, don't we have a right to take along a believing wife? Do we ever find infallible men or infallible popes in the first century church? Do we find salvation dispensed piecemeal through the sacraments? Do you know why a Roman Catholic never knows whether or not he's saved? He's getting salvation on the installment method a little bit at a time, each time he receives a sacrament. Do we find rosaries, scapulars, holy water, crucifixes, or statues in the first century church? Challenge them to go into the book of Acts and find these things. Maybe while they're in the scriptures, the truth will set them free. Their eyes will be opened. We never find headquarters of the church in Rome in fact the first church was founded in Jerusalem so does Rome have support for the authority of its religious tradition we need to be ready to answer this because there are three places in the new testament where scripture is spoken of in a positive way in second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15 we're told to hold to the traditions which you were taught whether by word of mouth or by letter from us and then in 2 Thessalonians 3:6, we are to keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. And then in 1 Corinthians 11:2, 2, Paul writes, hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. It sounds like Roman Catholics have a strong case for following religious traditions. But we must point out to Roman Catholics the verb tense. These traditions have already been taught. They've already been received. They've already been delivered. And look at the source of the traditions. They were the apostles. Yes, we are to hold to apostolic traditions. But in the third verse of the epistle of Jude, we are to contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And so every Roman Catholic tradition that has evolved over the last 1,600 years must be contended against. Whenever there is a rejection of scriptural authority, the distortion and perversion of the gospel is often hidden below the surface when the traditions of men supplant God's word as the supreme authority for truth. So often now Roman Catholics are calling themselves Christians. And so do you just believe that? because that's what's above the surface of the water? Or do you start asking questions and find out what else is below the surface? Do you find out what else they are clinging to? Only then can you use Scripture to show them that Christ is sufficient and the Word of God is supreme. I want to give you an example of some of the ungodly traditions that are taking place even today in the Philippines. We're very familiar with Colossians 2.8. Paul wrote, See to it that no one takes you captive through empty deception according to the traditions of men rather than according to Christ. Every year during Holy Week, Filipino men come forward to be scourged. They come forward to be nailed to the cross They come forward to hang on the cross. Why? Because Roman Catholic tradition says if you do this, you will expiate your own sin. If you do this, you will make satisfaction for your own sin. Uh, They don't leave these Filipino men up to die, only for a period of time so that they can expiate their sins. This is how serious following the traditions of men can be. Well, Catholic traditions deny the sufficiency of Christ. Remember, there's one thing that we want to make clear to Roman Catholics. Christ is sufficient. So when you're talking to a Roman Catholic, recognize to the Word of God, Roman Catholics add tradition. To the headship of Jesus Christ, they add another head called the Pope. To the unique role of Jesus Christ as sinless mediator, they add another sinless mediator, and her name is Mary. To his high priestly office, Roman Catholics add the confessional box. To the infinite merit of our Lord Jesus Christ, they, own, they add their own merit, which ends up in the treasury of merit, if you die with more than enough merit to get you to heaven, To his purifying blood, they add purgatory, and to his satisfaction for sin, they add their own, as you just saw what happens in the Philippines. Roman Catholicism is the plus religion. It is Jesus plus Mary. It is faith plus works. It is grace plus merit. It is the word of God plus tradition. It is the blood of Christ plus purgatory. When you are witnessing to Roman Catholics, you must call them to repent of everything they've added to the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what the most important verse in all of Roman Catholicism is? Matthew 16, 18. It is there Roman Catholics believe that Jesus made Peter the rock upon which he would build his church. How do we answer that? Well, we can go to Peter's letter 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 7 and 8 Peter knew that Jesus was the rock. We can go to 1 Corinthians 10:4 where Paul said the rock was Christ. Psalm 18:31 Who is a rock except our God? So another question we can ask Roman Catholics, if God established a papacy, why is the papacy not listed in the authority structure of the church that Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28? Or if God established a a papacy, why did Jesus rebuke the idea of a hierarchy to rule over the church? We see that in Matthew 20, verses 25 to 26. Or why did the disciples continue to debate Who would be the greatest? Clearly, if Peter was the Pope, there would be no argument. Why did Peter refer to himself as an elder and not the supreme pontiff? Why was James and not Peter the leader at the Jerusalem Council? These are some of the questions that we can ask Roman Catholics, challenging them to go to the Scripture as their supreme authority in all matters of faith. I want to share with you a contrast between two men that Catholics call Pope. You have the Apostle Peter, who Catholics believe was the first Pope, and the current Pope Francis. The Apostle Peter refused adoration of men, as we see in Acts 10, verse 26. When they bowed down to worship him, he said, stand up and worship God alone. But yet Pope Francis welcomes the adoration of men. The Apostle Peter warned of false teachers who would introduce destructive heresies and malign the truth, 2 Peter 2, 1-2. Pope Francis is a false teacher who perverts the gospel of grace and rejects the truth of God's word. The Apostle Peter taught salvation by faith in Christ alone. Pope Francis teaches salvation can be obtained even apart from Jesus. The Apostle Peter was fallible. Pope Francis believes he is infallible. But there are more contrasts to consider. The Apostle Peter was an elder who submitted to Jesus as the head of the church. Pope Francis believes he is the supreme head and the ruler of the entire church. The Apostle Peter taught we are born again through the living, abiding word of God. Pope Francis teaches you are born again through the sacrament of water baptism. Did you know that about Roman Catholic theology? The sacrament of water baptism is not only the sacrament of regeneration, whereby the infant becomes born again of the Spirit through the efficacious waters of baptism, but that sacrament is also a sacrament of justification. The Apostle Peter taught eternal life as a gift and secured by the power of God in heaven, according to 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, Pope Francis teaches conditional life, obtained by the sacraments and lost by mortal sin. What a contrast between two men that Roman Catholics call Pope. Can you see how you can use this to show Roman Catholics they need to trust the Word of God and the all-sufficient Savior for their salvation? Well, God has a warning about trusting men in Jeremiah 17:5. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. But what a contrast. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. When you witness to Roman Catholics, many of them now are taught to say that you need to look at the early church fathers, because if you look at the 2nd and 3rd century church fathers, you will see that the church in those days was the Roman Catholic Church. How do you answer that? Simply by using Scripture, at the end of the Apostle Paul's ministry, the Apostle Paul penned these words with great emotion. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things. For what purpose? In order to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Now, I tell these Roman Catholics who want me to look to the early church fathers, how do I know that they're not the very people the Apostle Paul warned us about? Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders, from your own number, from the elder board, men will arise to lead people astray. No, we need to build our theology on the solid rock of Christ and his word and nothing else. Well, Scripture is the authority over all men. One of the great verses that we can point Catholics to is Acts 17:11, where the Apostle Paul is teaching in the synagogues of Berea. And he doesn't scold the people for searching the Scriptures to test the veracity of his teaching. He commends them. This is good. Test every man's teaching by the Word of God. And so I tell Catholics, if an apostle comes under the scrutiny of God's Word, shouldn't your bishop, shouldn't your pope, shouldn't your priest, shouldn't anyone come under the same scrutiny as the Apostle Paul did? Do not trust in princes and mortal men, in whom there is no salvation, so we need to beware of faulty foundations. What do I mean by that? Well, in 1 Corinthians three eleven Paul wrote, "No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ." You see, ultimately, it comes down to this as we witness to Roman Catholics. Are you going to trust your eternal destiny on the teachings and traditions of your religion? or are you going to trust Christ and his word it is impossible to believe both because they are diametrically opposed to one another the foundation must be Christ and his word so as we witness we must use the power of god's word in evangelism our words are void of power But the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. We need to use it as an offensive weapon to slay the errors of all false teachers. One of the great tips that I can give you as you witness to Roman Catholics is if they have their own Bible, open it up, turn the pages, point to the Scripture, and say, What is God teaching you in that verse? What is God saying to you in that verse? The reason for this is they have been taught, if anybody approaches you with the Bible, just say that's your interpretation. But if you're asking them, what is God saying to you, it's between them and God where it needs to be. So in using God's word, we know that it pierces, it cuts to the depths of the soul, and it never returns void. It gives salvation to those who believe it, but further condemnation to those who reject it. God's Word judges before anyone can be saved by their, of their sin. They must be judged first by the Word of God. The Word of God is authoritative. I hope you all understand we have nothing to say to the lost apart from the authority of God's Word. So in closing, I'd just like to share with you a couple of contrasts. It's an excellent way to teach, especially when you're dealing with with such a dichotomy between false religion and the Word of God. The Bible is what God says. Catholicism is what man says, God says. We need to show Catholics that you can go directly to the source for truth. You don't need to go through any man. The Word of God was written to all people. Everyone will be held accountable for what the Word of God teaches. Christianity is a relationship with God through his son, the only mediator between God and man. Catholicism is man's futile attempt to become right with God. I know I lived it for many, many years. It was like being on a treadmill, always trying to appease a holy and righteous God, but going nowhere. I did not know the righteousness of God demands perfect righteousness. So seeking to establish my own righteousness through my good works and law keeping, I was falling so short. I am forever thankful that the Lord opened my eyes to see the truth of his word. Christianity exalts Christ alone. Catholicism exalts Christ plus Mary and the Pope. Catholicism offers many different mediators between God and man. We must remember first Timothy two five. There is only one, because he is the only one qualified. He is God's perfect man and man's perfect God. I hope all of you leave here with a greater compassion for victims of deception. Religious indoctrination is the most powerful tool that the devil uses to blind the minds of unbelievers. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The prince of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ. His most powerful tool is religious pride and religious deception. The most proud religious people on the earth today are Roman Catholics because they believe they were born into the one true church. And you and I who have been entrusted with the truth, it is our responsibility to lovingly confront them in their error. That is their only hope, as they hear the Word of God, often for the first time. One of the things that I'd like to show you that's available to you is not only our website, proclaimingthegospel.org, a wealth of information for you, but we also have our track, Roman Catholicism, Scripture versus Tradition. It is now in a multiple languages. It is in Portuguese, in Spanish, and Korean. And I understand next week it'll be available in Croatian. And so this is an excellent tool because what this track does, it's a 16-panel foldout. It forces Roman Catholics to make a decision. Am I going to trust Christ in his word or the teachings and traditions of my church? They will see by reading this, it is impossible to believe both. So thank you for the opportunity to share a growing compassion that I have for the people that are where I was for most of my life, believing I was on my way to heaven, but destined for eternity in hell. May God help us all to be faithful witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.
0: Thank you, much. Mike, thank you for providing for us such a clear, a crystal clear understanding of the view of the Catholic Church with regard to inerrancy, but the hypocrisy of upholding tradition. And we think of our Catholic uh, neighbors. We think of those around the world who have been deceived uh, by the error of this teaching. And I think that extends also to our Orthodox uh, friends and neighbors uh, around the world. Uh, Satan has been very effective to blind the eyes uh, through this false teaching, and it should solicit great compassion on our part to respond. Well, we have been well served today, haven't we, by our speakers and presenters with regard to our own calling to advance the Great Commission. I want to thank all of our speakers for their preparation their kindness in being with us. And I want to commend to you as well the resources that their ministries represent. Please take advantage uh, of going to their websites and uh, downloading whatever resources they have and uh, employing those in your own church's training for evangelism and ministry. I want to mention just two things as we close as far as opportunities for your response. If you look at your program uh, here, if you turn to the back page, and I want to speak particularly to pastors and uh, missions elders uh, here in the states. We want you to consider uh, how you might partner with us at TMAI to advance the work uh, of our schools around the world, uh, to stand for the truth, and certainly the doctrine of inerrancy. First of all, you can uh, join us by signing up for our mailing list. We send out uh, bi-weekly updates that tell the story, fresh updates from the field of what's going on at a training center around the world, Uh, We also uh, mail out a monthly uh, bookmark where you can just join us in prayer and stick that in your Bible and uh, you'll receive that in the mail and pray for a training center. And particularly the focus in that is for our national students uh, who are being equipped uh, to lead the church. And so we would invite you to pray with us. We also want you to know we have a number of resources available to you. Uh, TMAI provides speakers for churches missions, conferences, seminars. We do consulting with church missions committees in designing and developing a strategic focus uh, in uh, uh, the role your church plays in supporting uh, missionaries. And we'd be glad to extend our resources to you if you have an interest in that. Um, Also want to share with you uh, our ambassador program. We actually uh, can appoint for your church an ambassador who will be a liaison between one specific uh, training center and your church, where your church uh, membership can be involved in praying, uh, sending, uh, financially supporting a particular training center, and join us in that regard. And if you have an interest in that, you can indicate that uh, there on the card that's attached. And certainly, uh, as I've shared with you, the needs uh, are extensive. Uh, from translation and publishing projects to supporting national faculty to um, construction projects or whatever that might be. Uh, We have many needs at TMAI, and we would ask that you pray with us and even consider joining us uh, in supporting that work. Any need or resource uh, that you're interested in, please uh, complete the attached card and turn that in on your way out. There will be those at the door who will collect those from you uh, as we conclude. But I want to say a special word to our international guests. Uh, It's been our joy to host you with us today. Uh, We have a great respect for your calling and your work. We stand with you. It's our desire to serve you, lend any support and resources that we have uh, to the end that it would advance uh, your calling and and your effective witness uh, in your own home country. You may not know, but we have 73 countries represented in the uh, registration in today's event. And so when we think about the influence and impact globally, uh, we praise God for those who joined us today, and we want to say thank you particularly to you. We do have schools in all of your regions, and uh, we would find it a great privilege to invite you to study any one of our training centers around the world or to send some of your uh, prospective students and future pastors to come and join us and take advantage of the training that we do have in your own region and often in your own language. And so we extend those uh, opportunities to you as well. And finally, as we close, I wanna say thanks to all of our volunteers and particularly uh, to Calvary Bible Church who has so graciously uh, hosted us for this event today. Uh, They had well over 30 of their own church members come out and serve us breakfast and lunch and and make sure the facilities were available to us, the sound team and everybody else. They have gone above and beyond, and I think it would be appropriate to thank them uh, for all their service today. And to all of you, thank you again for joining us. Stand with me as we close our time in prayer. Father, we bow before you, and our hearts have been humbled because of all that we've heard today. We have been reminded that it is only your grace that brought us to an understanding of the truth. It is the work of your Spirit who has gifted faith to us that enabled us uh, to trust you. It is a Spirit who has opened up our eyes and illumined our understanding that we would no longer walk in darkness, but that we would see the truth is your spirit who guides us and convicts us and calls us to repentance that we might be sanctified and we praise you and thank you for the work of Jesus Christ who is both our savior and our lord and those of us who understand your work of grace in our lives find it the greatest privilege to offer our lives back to you to be bold ambassadors for the truth without apology And we have been equipped today to take a stance. And I pray that you would lead us forward. And in our generation, we would be faithful to uphold the word of God. That we might stand for the inspiration, the inerrancy, the authority and the sufficiency of scripture. And that we might find many who will come to faith in Jesus Christ and anchor their lives on the truth. We commit ourselves to this end and ask that you would work through us. And we pray this. And God's people said, amen, amen. Lord bless you.